0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, Start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. The volume. It's that holiday time of the year again. Are you looking for something different for a special person in your life? How about game time? That's right, think game time. Tickets for sports, concerts, comedy shows all make a fantastic gift this time of the year. So many games to watch, so many concerts to go to on a given day or week. The best way to get tickets to any of these games is game time, any of these concerts any of these shows is game time. They're obsessed with finding ways to get you the best, fairest-priced, lowest-priced tickets guaranteed. Okay, you can find exclusive flash deals. You can find sponsor deals and concert tickets daily. Check it, the game time app. They have zone deals, so you pick the section and game time picks the big seat and the big time savings. And with the game time guarantee, you'll get the best price guaranteed. If you find tickets in a same section for less, Game Time will credit you 110% the difference. How cool is that? So take the guesswork out of buying tickets. Download the Game Time app. It's really simple, takes less than a minute. And the redeem code is Colin, C-O-L-I-N. Download it for $20 off your first purchase terms apply. Again, create an account. The redeem code is Colin, C-O-L-I-N, $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Titan today. Last minute deals, lowest prices guaranteed. Game time. All right. Welcome in, everybody. Um, We'll have an hour in total Uh, In 10 minutes, John Middlecoff, the former NFL scout, part of the volume from day one, three and out podcast will join us. We've got about 15, 20 minutes just on the Eagles and the Niners. John's a former Eagle scout and uh, for years lived in the Bay Area. Great connections with San Francisco. So he'll have a breakdown like nobody else. Uh, Let let me just spend 10 minutes on the uh, Packers win over Kansas City. It was their game from the very beginning. Um, And I I said this during the week on FS1, it didn't matter if Green Bay won in terms of the big picture. Uh, What Jordan Love had to do with Patrick Mahomes on the other sideline is to be able to match him. And, you know, we know Mahomes is the better quarterback. Can he make throws? Can he look confident? Can he move? And I thought Jordan Love uh, was everything and more. Um, You know, it's interesting. For years, I've said about Green Bay is I think they draft and develop. As well as anybody in the NFL. Just look at their wide receiving talent Watson, Jaden, uh, Reed, uh, Romeo Dobbs, and Wicks. The four really, really twitchy, Watson's a burner. They're really clever athletes. All can play. New England hasn't drafted a legitimate receiver in over a decade. Green Bay's got four in two years. <laughs> they just do it well. Um, and it's what's interesting if you look at the Packers' history, they don't take a lot of players, offensive players, in the first round. But yet they always end up with elite tackles, uh, very good running backs, excellent receivers, uh, better-than-average tight ends. It's a really offensive-leading culture. Uh, Holmgren into McCarthy, into Matt lafleur they do offense well. Steelers do defense well. Packers do offense well. And this, of course, helps Jordan Love, whereas Kenny Pickett is going to be kind of on his own. Jordan Love's got great aides to his left, to his right he also um and we've discussed this you know ad nauseum aaron rodgers was like uh, you know a 50 year old uh, lead singer and the band was a bunch of 20 year olds he didn't fit all these young players as they were rebuilding the offense this generationally works jordan love and these guys like they feel like you know they're going to be around for years and years together and you know i just think if you if you look around at the majority of the young quarterbacks who can struggle, it's often with defensive coaches. Look at what McVay did to Goff. Look at what Shanahan's doing to Purdy. Look at what Mike McDaniel did to resurrect Tua. Yet look what Belichick's done to Mac Jones. He gets worse every year. Now he's just a shot fighter. So I'm not saying Jordan Love doesn't have talent. But you've watched the development in the last six weeks. He's like a different player. He was always tall and moved well. He always had a good whip. That was never a question. You you could watch his YouTube highlights as you did and I did at Utah State. He was always a big kid who moved well and had a whip. That was never the issues. A little bit erratic as a thrower he was tonight, too. But this is just confidence, uh, development. And you can tell a lot. Uh, Years and years ago, I remember a story. They've got confidence with jordan love now in the building that's why tonight was really crucial and you saw it a little bit against the chargers a lot against the lions and really a lot tonight is that you got to get buy-in in in the building years ago um a long long time ago i was i helped create a show at espn called uh uh, sports nation and it was offbeat and kind of quirky and we didn't know if it was going to work because it was so different than anything on the air but an executive said well if it If the people in the building like it, if you get buy-in in in the building, it doesn't matter what the ratings are. They'll support it. And I always thought, that's interesting. Get buy-in in in the building. It's a lot like that for a quarterback. Watch the Chicago Bears play calling with Justin Fields. He has no buy-in in in the building. The coordinator doesn't trust him. The coach doesn't trust him. 70% of the throws are behind the line of scrimmage. He's got no buy-in in the building. C.J. Stroud, complete buy-in. Jordan Love did not have it in the preseason and in September. We kept saying, it's they're, they're babysitting him. They're coddling him. Let him throw it. It was just slow growth. Let's wait until we're comfortable. Let's let this thing develop. The Packers knew better. Now, when you watch it, they just let him go. I mean, it's got a backyard feel to it. Just let him go. And he's never going to be as precise as Aaron Rodgers. That's not who he is. He's got the far playmaking ability with sort of the whip of Aaron Rodgers, but he's not a precise thrower. He's not Joe Burrow. That's not what he is. Um, you know, he, he can get erratic. Uh, his mechanics are a little, you know, they are what they are. It, it looks a little backyard football, but he's playing with a ton of confidence. He has tremendous young, offensive uh, uh, personnel around him, and they're all getting better. Watson, Dobbs, Wicks, those guys are all going to get better. You don't have to pay any of them for three years. So that'll let you dip in and solve any issues you have anywhere else in the roster because right now, Jordan loves not, doesn't have a punitive contract. So, you know, the, the other thing that jumps out to me is that um not only do the packers draft and develop well. I mean they how many quarterbacks have succeeded there? You know, a lot. Four of the biggest three of the biggest quarterbacks in league history, you know, are are packers. But the, the two more recent obviously are Favre and Rodgers. And you know, it's it's sometimes because they don't have an owner to call you on your, you know, crap. Uh, and because it's the smallest pro sport city in America where you can't even go to the grocery store. Uh, I always call it the Green Bay Packer quarterback syndrome, where like Favre and Aaron Rodgers are very different people, but it it kind of dissolved into the same threatening retirement, unhappy with front office. And, you know, when you think about it, um, that was perfect for Favre and Aaron Rodgers to start. It may have ended poorly, but, you know, Green Bay tends to be very supportive, very much into development. You, you don't have to worry about the press breathing down your throat. I mean, the cheeseheads, Lambeau, totally supportive, thick and thin. It really is a perfect environment for a young quarterback trying to find his footing. Now, as you get older, you make big money, you become famous and a star. It can feel, you know, you're, you're trapped a little bit. Not a lot to do there. But, I mean, they've they've shown us time and time again, it's a great place for a young quarterback to develop. And they do a really good job drafting people, rarely in the first round, but drafting people to elevate the quarterback. So, and the, and the other thing is, I think sometimes that Favre and Rodgers, in retrospect, appreciated the Packers, but sometimes when they were there at the end, didn't appreciate the Packers. I mean, think about right now today. Green Bay is fine without Aaron Rodgers. Mike McCarthy is fine in Dallas without Aaron Rodgers. You know who's not fine? Aaron Rodgers, who's 40, has a bad football team, an impulsive owner, a terrible O-line, and one decent receiver. Green Bay and Mike McCarthy, Jordan Love, they're all, Brian Gutenkunst, they're all fine without Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers isn't fine. So I think sometimes Green Bay may feel like Mayberry in small town, but if you really examine how hard it is for young quarterbacks to hit in this league, Green Bay offers a lot that other teams don't. They don't have an impulsive, erratic owner, David Tepper, who just blows the coach out in the middle of the first year. Um, they're not going to overspend on free agents. Free agents don't go to Green Bay, the big ones. Um, they have to draft and develop well. They do. They tend to be, they don't have uh, a loud, uh, fire-breathing press to deal with. It's it's more, um, not conciliatory, it, it, the press is more um, patient, right? Less clicky, less volume. A lot of those factors that you see over time if you're a star quarterback is tedious and small town are perfect for the development of a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers' first year, what was he, 6 and 10? It took him a while to click um you know jordan love you know i i didn't i didn't get it the first 4 or 5 weeks like he just looked erratic with no confidence and they didn't have confidence in him but they've turned him loose and it's fun and also tonight uh give the packers credit i thought their defense played really well i thought their pass rush was great um and if you look at green bay's schedule it is it is W's all the way down the line. And, you know, this happens all the time. Remember when Tampa with Tom Brady and week, they had that buy in like around week 12 and then they went in a run. I, I don't think this is a Super Bowl winning team. But if you watch them tonight, I mean, Kansas City's defense is good. It's good. And Green Bay hit on a lot of big third downs, on a lot of big plays. Not a lot of people have done that on this Chiefs defense. Like, you know, I was sitting there thinking, oh, Green Bay's a better team tonight. I mean, it wasn't a fluke. I didn't feel like I was watching like that pass to Christian Watson and everybody said, oh, Watson, what a catch. What a throw. That was a dime. That's a, that's our Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre throw. That wasn't luck. So you have a quarterback who is now growing in confidence, young, twitchy athletic receivers, uh, a, a coaching staff that increasingly trusts Jordan Love, that's obvious. And a defense that played its butt off tonight. (laughs) I thought, I didn't think there was any question all night who the better team was. The officiating team was the worst on the field. Uh, That penalty on the hit on Mahomes is nonsense. That's just a nonsense call. And the lack of PI five minutes later, two minutes later is ridiculous. That's That's probably the worst call of the year. So you just you know, the officiating was, it, it really was bad, like embarrassing bad for the league. On a standalone game, those were two embarrassingly bad calls. And the Thursday night game with uh, uh, Seattle and Dallas was a very, very poorly, overly officiated game as well. When referees have to pick up three flags and say, yeah, those weren't fouls. Just throw a flag when you see a penalty. Don't, don't, don't guess. Don't anticipate. See a penalty, throw a flag. Otherwise, get out of the way get out of the way. Anyway, Packers win. And I thought it was convincing. I know Kansas City had a shot at the end. That felt convincing to me. I thought they pushed the Chiefs around. A lot of big plays on third down. Jordan Love, what do you know? And now for a segment called Making It Look Easy, brought to you by Morgan & Morgan, America's largest injury law firm. This week, Tyreek Hill made it look easy. Five catches, two touchdowns, almost 160 yards. His fifth game this season. With 150 yards plus with a touchdown, Tyreek Hill making it look easy. That's what it. Morgan & Morgan does. Over 100 offices nationwide, more than 800 lawyers. They get you fair and reasonable compensation. In fact, they've been able to get $15 billion, over 300,000 clients. Morgan & Morgan has a proven track record. Been fighting for the people for over 35 years. This is a business that year after year fights and delivers fair, reasonable compensation for people who have been wronged. If you're ever injured, go to forthepeoplecom Colin or dial pound five two nine to check out America's largest injury law firm. Winning in the NFL is hard, but hiring Morgan and Morgan is easy. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority notified, and Amex Card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slash with amex. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So whether you're heading out to explore a new trail or looking to set a personal best on your daily run, start your journey off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Discover the power of advanced nutrition for strength and stamina at ProPlansport.com. That's ProPlansport.com. All right, everybody, welcome in. It's me, former NFL scout for the Philadelphia Eagles, John Middlecoff. As we get ready for close to an hour of breakdown of college football, um, some thoughts on various coaches in the league who are on the definite hot seat. But we start, John, with San Francisco and Philly. There were two games this weekend uh, that I loved. I loved the Niners and I love the Lions. So let's start with San Francisco and Philadelphia. I thought at least in the first half, it felt like your classic matchup of great teams. Playmakers, speed, strength, coaching, um, kind of the class of the NFC. But I do wonder if that emotional game with a lot of snaps for the Eagles defense last week against Buffalo, and that was one of the reasons I like San Francisco. At this time of the year, John, every day counts for rest. So the Niners get several days rest. The Eagles play an especially long game against Buffalo. Defense is on the field, and I think they looked absolutely worn down in the second half defensively. That was my take.
1: Yeah, I thought early on, I mean, that place I've been to a lot of games there was rocking, and the quarterback was a little shaky. The Eagles came ready to play, which was shocking. I thought it would be the other way around. The Niners had talked a lot. Like you said, they had been off since Thanksgiving. I thought by about midway through that second quarter, the Niners were really leaning on them. You could tell that defensive line was gassed. The Eagles defense isn't very good. I mean, their linebackers are decimated with injuries. They're they're on like their third string nickel corner. They had to trade for a safety. And the 49ers from Ayuk to obviously Debo, who has been running his mouth for nine months. And listen, I got no problem. In an individual sport, you're Conor McGregor, you're Tiger Woods, you're whatever, you run your mouth, only you have to back it up. Debo can back it up. I was nervous. Some other guys on the team, you know, the right tackle trying to block Reddick. It didn't matter. I mean, Debo dominated that game. Kittle was awesome. McCaffrey was flying around. They came ready to play. But most importantly, Colin, in solidarity with the quarterback, how about that MVP type <laughs> performance from Brock Purdy A- after starting the game 0 of four, where it's just he looked shaky. Yeah, 19 of 23 the rest of the game and just throwing dots, keeping plays alive with his legs, keeping his eyes downfield. He's, how about the run he had where he broke the tackle? I- I'm not saying the guy's the MVP, but if he's not in the discussion, we're all not watching football.
0: He was brilliant today. Yeah, and I think one of the things I've said, let's contextualize it. Shanahan's a brilliant, brilliant play caller, and the weapons are insane. I mean, literally, Kittle will be a Hall of Famer. Trent Williams a Hall of Famer. McCaffrey should be a Hall of Famer. And if Debo stays healthy for four more years, people will talk about him as a Hall of Famer. That's just on the offense. But I do believe that there are just certain throws that C.J. Stroud makes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a franchise quarterback that Kenny Pickett can't make. Right. And, and, and so there are throws. Purdy will make about three throws a game and he'll let go of that puppy before the receiver breaks. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a franchise. And, and for the record, I don't see Justin Fields make those. Nope. I don't see him as an anticipation thrower. So and it's not a knock. I don't see Zach Wilson make those. A lot of this stuff is innate. And, you know, years ago, Bill Parcells had a rule. No celebrity quarterbacks, which forget that now with NIL. They're going to be celebrities. Yeah. But I want three years of starting. And I remember when I really noticed this, I covered Akili Smith in Oregon, and I loved the way through the ball. But he was like a one-year starter. And he went to the NFL, and he just did not have enough reps. He just did not have enough reps. He was overwhelmed. And it wasn't because he was a good kid. He could move. He had a hell of an arm. He had a baseball arm. But he just didn't have enough starts. And, you know, the NFL is impatient. By year two, like if you don't, they're not sitting around waiting for you Is everybody's going to lose their job. I think a lot of this with Purdy is he came in high school, college, he had like eight straight years of snaps. He's just fun. He, he is just cognitively ready to play
1: football for sure. But I, but I also think he's really good. I mean, he was the Arizona high school player of the year, really good recruiting base in his second year starting. He was the second team, all big 12 guy behind Jalen Hurts. For the next two years, he was a first teamer, and he's come in on this team, and he's clearly better than anything Jimmy brought to the table. And Jimmy was pretty good, not the version yeah. we've seen these last couple years. The other thing is, wouldn't you say probably the best average arm quarterback over the last probably couple decades was like Drew Brees? He, yeah, you know, and and we and listen, you were right on Baker Mayfield. I personally thought he could become that. Clearly, he never sniffed that. I actually think this guy has a lot of those traits in the pocket, but he also has, unlike Drew. Now, Drew was much more accomplished as a passer coming out of college, but this guy clearly is comfortable to go into an environment like that. Dreary day, Philly, and I get they were running out of gas, and the Niners were favored for a reason, but that kid was dominant, you know, just in terms of accuracy. And what's the key if you're going to play with really good players? Put it on them because, like, well, they got a lot of yards after the catch. Well, he hits them in stride. The ball to McCaffrey down the middle, a couple of balls to Debo, a couple of balls to Kittle. And his athleticism, I think his 10-yard split is a, pretty much the same time as Christian McCaffrey. So he's not Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton down the field as a runner. But, you know, in those little bursts, he can keep plays alive a lot like Jalen, right? And that's an underestimated part of his game that has taken the Niners to a whole nother level. Now, once they pulled away, it was not a fair fight because the Eagles, like you said, ran out of gas. But I also think you see, like, even if the Eagles had gas, let's face it, the Niners are a little better, right? Fully healthy. And the Eagles just, they're not getting healthy guys in the secondary. Like, Bradbury and Slay are their corners. And the way they use their number one wide receiver in Debo is not like an A.J. Brown. They don't just put him out there and say, cover him. Darius Slay would like that with a receiver. They're moving them all around. They're using them like a running back. Ayuk's a very shifty in and out of cuts, a lot like Devontae Smith, why nobody can cover him. And then you got Kittle, who is just one of the most unique players in the league, to go on top of McCaffrey. So it's just a tough situation. It's a tough matchup for Philly.
0: Well, and here's the other thing. So we both kind of—I think we both felt strongly just on the extra time that this was really San Francisco's game. For sure. And you have these moments when Dallas went to San Francisco— San Francisco's the kind of team, the Eagles know it and the Cowboys know it. If you don't have your shit dialed in, you're in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> like it, They play downhill really fast. They're like Buffalo three years ago without the mistakes. You get all the avalanche, you know, without the yard sale of skis flying everywhere. They're, they're like a streamlined avalanche and you just can't and with all these weapons. But here's the one thing about Philadelphia I worry about is that Ferguson for the Cowboys now Brandon Cooks are productive. CeeDee Lamb's a top four receiver yes, in the league. big time. Okay. And then you have Debo, Kittle. Brandon Ayuk's a special player. Awesome. Even Jennings contributes. The Philly secondary is not getting better. Awful. They made a move at the trade deadline. It's bad. It's old. It's not getting better. Even Detroit, if you watch them today, because Goff usually has time because of that offensive line. And they run the ball really well. Jamison Williams now becoming more of a threat. Yeah. There's an argument to be made with Philly. Their weakness is a real problem because we both like golf more than people now. Ja- Amaron St. Brown. Laporta. Jameson Williams. Laporte. He's an incredible rookie. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> so all of a sudden you start looking at Philly and you're like, They don't match up necessarily well with the top three teams in the NFC. Well, their
1: key is they did not have to win today after they won the last two weeks. Now, they're going to have to win this upcoming week against Dallas, right? And it's it's an enormous game. Their formula is going to be the D-line has to be elite. I mean, it has to be unstoppable. And it can be. Today, they were clearly running on fumes. That's why... Let's face it, today through everything, I mean, McCarthy, I'm sure, feet up, eating a sandwich at home with a big smile on his face because he has the opportunity now at home. The Niners took care of business. The Niners now play Seattle. All of a sudden, if Dallas wins and the 49ers wins, the Eagles are kind of looking up. I'm with you. you got to be able to – it's not like Ambry Thomas and Lenore or Richard Sherman and Darrell Rivas in the prime, but they're functional players. And the main difference between the Eagles and the Niners, because both of them have – countless D linemen that every team would want it's the linebackers I mean Fred Warner is a dominant player Greenlaw who got in a fight with Dom on the sideline is probably the best number two linebacker but even when those guys there was a moment when when Greenlaw got tossed and and Fred's shoe came off the Niners have two other backups who are solid I mean the Eagles linebackers are Kyle Shanahan was this is why Debo and those guys were talking so much shit all week they don't think that all those guys have a chance to handle their speed, their physicality. And they don't. And, and once they took a deep breath and just kind of handled the crowd and, and just kind of the wetness and just everything that the link brings, it was a route. They, they, they just ran circles around them. And that's for sure. Now, their D linemen, if they play at an elite level, can just cause so much havoc. And their offense has to be awesome. That's, Goddard's got to come yeah. back. You know, A.J. Brown had some big time moments. Devontae, their, their offense is really special. And that's why they've won a lot of these games, right? Because it's essentially been shootouts in the second half. Harder to have shootouts with the 49ers, I I think, because their defense, they're just not really going to play in a 38 to 35 type game.
0: Yeah, the best one possession win teams over the last several years have been Philadelphia. It caught up with them today. Minnesota last year caught up with them. There was a Cowboy team and a Seahawk team over the last three or four years, and it caught up with them. You you just can't – Eventually, you can't get out-gained like Philly had four straight games. It, eventually, this is—it just doesn't work that way. And so I, I kind of look at the, Philadelphia, and I like so. I mean, I think they'll play very well. In a weird way, they were best served to get their butt kicked because they'll come against Dallas. For they'll sure. play a great <laughs> yeah, game, one hundred percent. They'll they'll play a great game. But I do think there is a fundamental problem that they can only overcome with ball control offensively, which is their back. They're back four, back seven. Linebackers are weak. Corners aren't great. They have one good safety. The only way to overcome that is with ball control. And that's it. And now they have the components to do that. I think they also got to be really careful.
1: And in fairness, their players, I mean, Slays on the volume, high-level guy, Jalen, super high-level guy, their coach can be really, really yappy, right? And not in a Bill Parcells, like, check the pelts on my wall yappy. It's like kind of annoying. And there's a level of, you know, listen, Kyle Shanahan's going to scream at the refs, but he's not going to give the other team. He, he's an old school kind of Andy Reid, his dad. Like, it, it's not about he doesn't want to get involved in the thing. And I do think their coaching staff, you got Sirianni screaming at people pregame. He just, I, I listen, that works against the majority of opponents. It's not going to work against the Chiefs. Maybe it works a little bit against Dallas, but it's not going to work against the 49ers. It's more just X's and O's. We're going to hit you in the mouth, and we're going to be relentless. So all that stuff, you know, that kind of typically feeds into Philly. Like, they, they loved when Dom got tossed, and they feed off that so The Niners are – they have proven – that this core of guys have won so many games on the road, went to Green Bay and won, went into Dallas and won. Like, they're not going to be intimidated by difficult – they easily could have won a couple of years ago against the Rams, right, you know, when Tart dropped the ball. So they go into these environments a lot like some great like NBA players, like the Curry group over the years. Like they're not intimidated. They they, they might need a couple series to kind of gather themselves, but they're gonna be okay. So the, the Eagles, it, this it's gonna be a scheme game versus them. Can you out scheme them? Because all yeah. the other shit, like the Niners aren't gonna be phased by that crap. Can you can you outthink them? Can you out call like Andy Reid? Can you out call plays against whatever their their looks are offensively or defensively? And you saw today it wasn't really a fair fight. Now. I, like you said, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. A little gas. I think if you told me there was a rematch, I would expect a much better Philly effort. Yes. But I do think big picture, do they have, like, their head coach, he's not calling the plays on either side. He's just kind of screaming on the sideline. Like, the 49ers guy is their play caller. Like, it's him versus
0: you. You know, so I... Yeah. That's a disadvantage for the Eagles. Um, You know, here's the other thing is I... I'm trying to think of a roster. Hufunga's injury, um, although painful, they can protect it with a good pass rush. I don't think there's been a roster as good as San Francisco since the Seahawks roster that won a Super Bowl but went to two straight. That that roster just didn't make that was such a good roster. Yeah. You're not really allowed to do that anymore. Again, Russell was on a rookie deal. Yeah, Purdy. The minute he wasn't, the roster wasn't good. Purdy's on a rookie deal. But I'm trying to think of a roster. I mean, that's I remember that Seattle team was so good that they went and just rented Percy Harvin, almost never used him as a toy. And then they went and got Cliff Averill, said, yeah, we'll bring another pass rusher. And you're like, yeah, that's a luxury of a rookie contract. You can't do that with a veteran quarterback. But I think this roster, you know, I, I find myself rooting for San Francisco to win because it would be such a shame if this roster didn't at least want, like that Seattle roster, John, it was too damn good not to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. It was just too good. It was just fundamentally too good. The Ravens roster with Dilfer. There's like seven Hall of Famers. I grew up with the Steelers in the 70s. There were a couple Raider teams. You're like, yeah, the Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson roster. They need to win a Super Bowl. There's too many good players. I, I kind of feel like the best roster in the league is San Francisco. I'm thinking about second. you know, with the emergence of Bland for the Cowboys at corner and Ferguson, the tight end, is is Dallas the second best roster? Yeah, I
1: mean, I think they have a chance to prove it this upcoming week because they went toe-to-toe with them and they should have won that game. I I think Philly's right there fully healthy, but they're just missing a ton of guys. and They got some guys that aren't coming back. And the Niners, the moment they lost a couple guys, they, they weren't the same. So this, this sport, the margins are so thin. I mean, you saw Jalen all of a sudden get cracked. I started thinking, because the game was already over, well, what about next week? What if he can't clear? That'd be a devastating... They're not going into Dallas to win with Mariota. So, yeah. Uh, The the problem with Dallas is even if they win this upcoming game at home, like how are you going to pick them in a big playoff game? I've seen them lose at home to the 49ers a couple years ago. Now, you would say that they're much the cohesion with Mike and Dak and Dan Quinn and the group. They've been together longer. But there's just... There's an element where... and, And I picked them this year to start the season to win the division. And clearly they're damn good, right? I mean, there is, to me, Detroit is on the lower tier beside these three teams, right? You know, the the Niners, the Eagles, the Cowboys. And then I, I would put Detroit on another tier kind of by themselves. But it's just, you know, Dak is having a fantastic year. But do you truly trust him? I mean, even that Eagles game, stepping out of bounds, just little things. I mean, these are little details of yeah. you'd be the number one seed or you, you got to now win this game and then take care of business the rest of the year. They were the team this year that lost a game. Like, how do you lose to Arizona? How do you lose to Arizona? It's it's a cowboy home game in Glendale. It's 80-20, your fans. So I've all like I like their roster, love their coaching staff, especially on defense. You got to give Mike credit. He's doing a great job. But I just have a hard time. And this is like you said with the Niners. Their players have not won a championship level, but they have championship character deep in them. I've seen them in the big yeah. moments from Debo to Kittle to Trent to Fred to Nick, uh, to Eric Armstead. Like they're wired. Like they might lose. But it's gonna be because you beat them, not because they screw up or they're not good enough. And I yeah. I, I don't know about Dallas. They they have the talent, you know, and, and they I think the bland guy's an incredible story. Didn't go to the combine now setting records right. to pick sixes and just they do for everyone that talks shit about Jerry, right? He's just he's a little bit of a wild card. How good are they as a personnel team? You know, we we anoint John Lynch and Howie. Like, Jerry's every bit they're equal. And I, I know he's not yeah. picking all, like, evaluating the fifth rounders, but he's technically their GM, so he's empowering people. That they, they build a team that goes toe-to-toe with these two teams. I know they lost yeah. to the 49ers big in the regular season, but they easily could have beat them in the playoffs last year. So, yeah, I, I'm i not going to – like I think Dallas could easily win this week. Hell, I might pick them by the end of the week. But I, I'm still not going to feel confident because, Colin, here's what's going to happen. If let's say they don't win the division, they're going to destroy the Falcons or the Bucks or whoever the hell wins that worthless division. And we're going to be like, oh, Dallas, you know, Dak just threw four touchdowns and it happened last year. And then they were gone the next round. Now, it doesn't mean you can't do it. Get over the hump. I just have a hard time believing until they do. I'm not going to pick them to do it until they do it. And I'll just be wrong.
0: I wrote a list today. So we'll pivot to this and I don't know how much time we should give it. But, um, you know, McVeigh and Shanahan still have to be considered young coaches. But we have – so let's, let's say the young coaches that we don't buy. Dennis Allen of the Saints, Brandon Staley of the Chargers, I think are both going to lose their job. I'm undecided on Robert Sala and Arthur Smith. We've got a lot of good young coaches in this league. Yeah, Shane Steichen has Indy battling for a playoff. That is insane They're in the seven AFC. and five. Incredible. D'Amico Ryan at Houston. I watched that game today. So, so, I mean, they they just, you have to earn every yard against them. Every freaking yard. Uh, Sirianni, McVay Shanahan. I think Stefanski. Joe Flacco was actually good today. Yeah. That's insane. I know. Kevin O'Connell, Minnesota. Mike McDaniel, Miami. Matt LaFleur is more than solid Green Bay. Jordan Love has shown absolute growth. And Zach Taylor, when, when Joe Burrow's upright, wins a lot of games. We have got some really good coaches. And I, I was thinking about this. So I watched a lot of games today. I want to talk Rams-Browns. So the Rams won this game. They, this was viewed as a five to six win team. The offensive line, you've had left tackles playing right guard. They've had major injuries. Uh, They lost Kyron Williams, their excellent running back, for four to five weeks. Cooper Cup's never healthy. Puka Nakua got hurt in the game. He's a rookie. This defense is Aaron Donald and kids. Between Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator, and Sean McVay, of all these young coaches, D'Amico Ryans, to me, is the star defensively. I think this is McVay's best year. John, I watched Stafford today, and I'm like, They got this kid, Demarcus Robinson, this bounce-around-the-league guy, made big plays today. Part of great coaching, and you know this as a former scout, is being able to take marginal players and make them productive, right? Like, you know, Brady helped do that in New England for years. Belichick did that. He would take marginal linebackers, and they would become fairly forceful. The Rams are vying for a playoff team with Seattle sinking. We have a real chance for the Rams to make the playoffs. I mean, I'm, I, I think it's a McVeigh story. I, I don't think they're vying, Colin. I mean, look at the way it's all breaking.
1: I think they're going to make it. I mean, I, they're six and six. Look at their schedule. You, I see some Giants on there. I, I see some Cardinals. They got the Ravens coming up. But other than that, and who knows, Niners, week 17 might not matter. I, I, I think I might have been one of the reasons. I remember you in the offseason loved the Rams, and I thought you were nuts. Like, the Rams, they're going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Like you said, part of coaching is getting average guys to overachieve. His team is all average guys. (laughs) It's not like he only has a couple guys. You remove Aaron Donald and Matt Stafford, it's a bunch of people no one had heard of coming into the season. I mean, to be 6-6, and like, you watch Pete Carroll, they're 6-6. and They have high-end players. Think how many guys the Niners, the Eagles, the Cowboys would love. DK, Witherspoon, the tackles have been banged up, but they would take those guys. The Seattle has impact, elite, blue chip, premium guys. Jackson Smith, you watch this Rams team, like, who are these guys? What is he doing? And I I think one theory I've had for a long time, and I think that a lot of the young Belichick guys have consistently failed. And the number one thing you always hear is like, they're just just assholes relentlessly. And I think you could do that You know, society, 70s, 80s, 90s, football, individuals could handle it much more. I think you've seen a major shift. College as well. Like, you talk to people around Saban. He's lightened up a lot. You have to change with the people. And what do a lot of these young coaches have? Well, they can kind of, they're not that much older than the guys, right? If you're early 40s, well, you're talking to a guy that's 30, right? And I think a lot of these Patriot guys, you know, because they've learned from Bill, well, Tom's as old as a lot of these guys, so he could kind of handle it. Well, you're dealing now with a 25-year-old Puka Nakua. you got to treat him a little differently than the guy you would have treated in 1993 that played for Bill Parcells or Jimmy Johnson, right? Because you hear some of these stories. You talk to these guys. It wasn't always pleasant. And I'm not – it's football. You still get yelled at and held to a high standard, and there's discipline when you walk in the building. But I think if you watch a lot of these guys conduct themselves – like, Sirianni acts like an idiot sometimes, like, to the other team, but he treats his players very well. You know, he's a very – I would say optimism. I would say historically yeah. football coaches are just naturally pretty pessimistic and be kind of dark and angry. <laughs> just the nature of the job. I think that's changed a lot with some of these younger guys that tend to be more uplifters and be more optimistic. And just to be fun loving is probably the wrong way to put it. But there's just an area you kind of want to be around these guys.
0: Well, and I think you're really hit on it. Um I've talked to a couple of people, um, Logan Ryan, the NFL player talked about this is that, um, Eric Mangini is one of the few Belichick guys that everybody loved being around. Yeah. Is that a lot of his guys, Patricia, Joe judge, Bill O'Brien, they're tough guys. Charlie Weiss. They, they're hard on people.
1: Flores younger guy, but he's angry, you know,
0: <laughs> he's, <edgy>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think mcveigh has got Raheem Morris, uh, Kevin O'Connell, there's a spirit like how lucky are we? Look at D'Amico. And there's a, I mean, wouldn't you
1: just want to hang out with D'Amico? There's there's a there's an aura around him. He just he just like glows. He's been like that. I was around him as a player. He he was like a team captain as a rookie. Like some guys just
0: haven't, you know. And and I think he's a look, great example. Let's talk about that. Let's pivot to the uh, Houston win over Denver. So you know D'Amico Ryan's. My takeaway, you know, it, it's funny. They there's the old. Stat that I the the old you hear this all the time by analytic mavens they say, um, winning is not a quarterback stat, which is nonsense. Because if you put Davis Mills starting for Houston instead of CJ Stroud, the entire roster stays the same, they're a two win team. Stroud made two throws today under duress that he's just innately accurate. Yeah, there was no he's running across his body and he flips something up, and I'm like. People that, that'll never show up in the box court. People have no idea how hard it is to be in a full sprint left. A guy's on you, throw it to a receiver moving right to left. And, but D'Amico's demeanor on the sideline, there's no barking. He is genuinely happy Yeah. when Texan players, he's not mad when they fail. You know, my wife always says, you're right or you're learning. Like, get out of wrong. For sure. you're, you're figuring it out. So you know, D'Amico, when I watch Houston today, because I think I think Denver's a pretty decent team now, that win is more significant than people think. Denver was was basically bailing water all day to stay close.
1: I actually think him and Robert Sala are very similar guys. One just has a quarterback and the other does not. I mean, that, that helps a lot. I mean, I, Denver, the team that has played lately is not the team that gave up 70 points. I mean, that defense was peppering them. Listen, it, it got weird there for a couple of years. It was really ugly with the Deshaun situation. But I wrote down today, they have a star rocket ship coach. They have a quarterback that just, I don't know, statistically, when it's all said and done, well, where he's going to rank relative to all the rookies ever in the history of the league. It's going to be up there. But the eye test, he is clearly one of the most special rookie quarterbacks we've seen. No question. Will Anderson, a little like Aiden Hutchinson, people question like, how high was the ceiling. Could he be Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa? I don't know. But Will Anderson is the type human one you build around and clearly is pretty damn good. You, you don't go to be a team captain in Alabama for a couple of years without being a badass. So they have a coach, they have a quarterback, they have a pass rusher. Remember a couple of years ago when they took the kid from LSU Stingley over Sauce Gardner, and everyone's like, Oh, yeah. they just, they, how are they doing this sauce? Can't miss. Stingley sure looks better to me than Sauce Gardner. Sauce won't tackle <laughs> me or you. Stingley looks much. He's more of a fluid elite athlete, like a Revis type. He looks fantastic. So they have a star corner. They have a really good left tackle. The the rookie wide receiver looked like he had a bad injury, got carted off. But that kid's a stud. Yeah, tank. This team today, that was, listen, they've had some impressive wins. But the way it was going, Jimmy Ward's a good example. D'Amico around Jimmy. You know, he no longer was a starter in San Francisco. But he was a team captain level, just winning player, high level guy. When the Niners drafted Trey Lance, they put his locker next to Jimmy Ward because they wanted him to follow him the way he acted, the way he operated. Well, what did D'Amico do? That's who he brought and who made the game-winning play, but who obviously, I would imagine, Stingley's growth. He's around that guy every day. So you get some young building blocks who are clearly high-character good guys. You have a coach that everyone's loved for 15 years as a player, let alone as a coach. I mean, that guy, his his rise as a coach, him and Vrabel are just like rocket ships. Like They, they went from position coaches to head coaches before you could even blink. And then within a couple of years, you're like, God, this guy probably should have been a head coach faster. You know, (laughs) maybe this guy didn't need to wait. So if I'm a Texan fan, whether you win a playoff game, whether you ultimately get in or not this year, it's uh, the future feels as bright as humanly possible. Right. Because no state income tax. Here's a problem with the Cowboys. Right. Their their salary cap is always taken because Jerry's taking. if they ever had salary cap space, everyone would want to go there. The Texans are going to because they got all these guys on rookie contracts. Houston's the city that players are gonna like. I mean, they are gonna have the opportunity. They have still have a draft pick coming from the Browns, who are now have major issues because they're quarterback. Right. So it's this Texans team to me is a team, maybe not this year. Like I don't know if they're gonna win a playoff game. Not saying it's not possible depending on the matchup, but if you like play the Ravens in the first round, right. In the next couple of years, if CJ just just stays around this level, I mean, are we talking about like a
0: Super Bowl contender? Well, and it was funny because during the off season, you know, and, and when you're doing June, July sports talk, radio talk, yeah, June, July, August, you know, and and you know a- after the NFL, you got little draft stuff, but you're, and I remember two or three times I kept coming back to it, and it may have felt like filler, and McIntyre was giving me crap, and I kept saying. Is anybody watching what Houston's doing? They're getting all these B players. It's very parcels. You know, Bill's thing, he, he would go to Miami. Remember when he was the GM? They went yeah. from one win to 11 wins in one year. And he filled out the bottom third of the roster. Like your second back, your blocking tight end, your center. And if you go back and you Google the Texans offseason moves, they were like Dalton Schultz got no publicity. And you're like, comes from a winning culture? right? Like he's going to feel a little abandoned by the Cowboys. So he's going to be a little pissy with a chip on his shoulder with Houston. Like you're getting rid of me. Look at my production. And so he comes to Houston with something to prove and it's, they did this very slowly. And then you hit on Will Anderson and Stroud and your coach. And by the way, John, like any well-run business, it gets better over time. They're a much better team today than eight weeks ago. I watched that game today. And my takeaway was C.J.'s better than Russ, no question, and D'Amico has more confidence in C.J. Stroud than Peyton has in Russell Wilson. That was my takeaway watching.
1: Russell had some moments, I thought, today where it looked a little throwback, 2020, too. You know, he had been playing pretty well, but today was tough. And is going to know him well because when he was a position coach and he was with Seattle, like, he has, he knows Russell pretty well. And Russell's not, obviously, athletically, who actually's gotten closer to that guy than he was last yes. year because he's lost some weight. I, I, I think when it comes to the Houston Texans, though, forever in that division, it was like, well, Peyton Manning, you know, for 12 years, they were just going to win it every year. Trevor Lawrence is a really good player. But I don't know, like, if you factor in the contract I, and you just pull GMs and head coaches – Right. Because Trevor it, within the year or two has to get paid. I think most people would take CJ Stroud. And there's an element of Peyton that had like that just will to refuse to be denied. And there was an intensity that he's just an all time football guy. You watch Trevor is like, is he an all time football guy? He doesn't really feel Brady. Hell, he doesn't feel like Jalen Hurts and Purdy. Right. Just his right. love. He's really talented. He honestly feels a little more NBA ish. God gave him a lot of gifts. You know, he's tall. He's got a good arm. He's accurate. He can move. But it's like, is football his everything? Like I watch CJ, I yeah. just watched the Texans play. They play like all the guys on the team, starting with their head coach. It is so. If you were just betting on a franchise, the divisions Tennessee's got a lot of issues, right? I mean, a yeah. ton. The Colts, I don't even know how they're doing this. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> because I bet if you texted Chris Bowder right now, he's like, I, no one saw this coming. And I I would say if I'm the Texans, we'll see how Anthony Richardson like he's gonna have to prove that he can stay on the field you'd feel pretty good about your chances to, like, run the division for some years coming up. Because let's face it, one of the Jags' big moves, a couple years ago they had the number one pick. Well, Bulky tried to hit a home run with the D lineman. If he had taken Aiden Hutchinson, I think we might look at the Jags a little different, right? They'd just be a little more complete. They're just not as good on defense, a little dependent on Trevor, and Trevor can get rattled fast. I would say CJ's best characteristic, pretty hard to rattle the guy. I mean, it really is. I mean, unfaced. He's got that special quality of just – Jalen Hurts has it today. Concussion comes back. He's like, this guy just flatliner. Purdy kind of has it. It's
0: a characteristic you kind of have to have, and he has it in spades. Okay, let's shift to college football. We have the playoff. Michigan, Washington, Texas, Bama. So Michigan is a two and a half point favorite against Alabama. Um, I would probably take Michigan to win by a field goal. I think the number is right. I think it's very, very competitive. I think Bama. Uh, We'll have the inferior quarterback. I think this is the rare instance where Bama has the second most talent. I think Michigan's got an older football team with uh, three or four guys that could have gone to the NFL came back. I think Michigan's got a complete chip on their shoulder. Now, Saban's been better in bowl games than Harbaugh, but Saban's lost a lot of bowl games, too. So let's not kid ourselves. He's not Barry Alvarez or Urban Meyer in a bowl game or Pete Carroll. He's not. I think I would take Michigan over Bama, but I think the number's right. It's a three-point game. What say you? Well, I think Harbaugh went to sleep last night and woke up praying for Florida State. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the reaction? Yeah, he,
1: he, I mean, what would they have been, a 17-point favorite? He was praying, and their team, these guys aren't dummies. So to get Saban, there's an elephant in the room with Jim Harbaugh. He's lost a lot of big games, right? Like you said, yeah. Nick's lost some playoff games, but he's also won a few. And he's eleven and one in the SEC championship game. Like he's he owns Kirby, who had just won back to back national championships. That that draw, Saban as the underdog. What did he just have? Like that's why I loved Alabama against Georgia. It's not like this Georgia team was the last two years. And Saban gets to play the underdog card, and it's not like he's playing some coach with three national championships on the wall. He's got playing this guy that's never won a championship. And listen, Michigan's really good. I mean, their guard shattered his leg, who's an NFL player. But if you're going to lose a position, even if he's a team captain, you'd rather lose a guard than like a quarterback or the running back the way they play. I just, I mean, listen, Alabama's quarterback, you got to give it, he's improved dramatically. Oh, yeah. You know, his ability to make plays just on the move. Obviously, he's got a huge arm throwing it down the field. Alabama's defense is pretty good. You know, and let's face it, Ohio State's defense was pretty good, and it was hard for Michigan. So then you factor in Saban's better than Ryan Day. It, it's just going to be difficult. I, I'm with you. I, I would tend. I tend to just like take, like these two underdogs. Now, I, yeah. I, it does feel like Harbaugh, and I, I'm a huge Harbaugh guy. I've been following him so closely. Honestly, I went to a game with my dad back in like 06 or 05 when they played UC Davis, and he was the head coach at San Diego. My dad's like, Jim Harbaugh, former quarterback. His team hasn't lost. Josh Johnson. I mean, Jim Harbaugh dominates wherever he goes, but he's never won at all. And it feels inevitable, right? Like with Andy Reid forever, it's like inevitably he's going to – it does kind of feel like, is this his year? But Bama, given that he could have got Florida State, who's on like their fourth quarterback, that's a pretty big swing. Now, you get them – it's not like they're playing this week. You get a month. But I, I do think it's going to be pretty difficult. I do think there could be a moment – because let's face it, the last two years, he got destroyed by Georgia a couple years. Now, that's aged well that they had 75 pros. Last year was a pretty devastating loss, right, to TCU. That That one did not age well. I mean that Michigan was they had the same team. Like I don't know if they would have beat Georgia, but they definitely should have been able to give them. You can't lose to TCU, so I I just think there's this kind of. When I was a kid, the you know Steve Young get the monkey off my back, I could finally win. Harbaugh kind of has that as a coach. That's the only thing that makes me nervous about him.
0: I would take Washington plus four and a half against Texas. They beat them in the Alamo Bowl. I think they can beat them outright. Now I think Texas. Has the ability to lean on you a little bit if Texas plays with a lead, but Kalen DeBoer, his teams tend to play well early. He's that game against Oregon, they were so clever. I mean, they they played so fast. Um, I think Washington has an outright chance to win here. Listen, I'm from that area. I looked at their roster before the season and I said, it's an eight to nine win team. They're not spectacular at tight end running back. Very good O-line, quarterback, wide receivers are special. But the defense has one or two NFL guys, not deep, not terribly fast at linebacker, um, just not special. But listen, if quarterback, weapons, O-line, and coaching means anything, and it's about 70% of the game now, and because they lead, they have a good pass rush because they have an NFL edge. I think Washington has a chance to win here. I mean, I I think, honestly, they could win the whole thing. I, I,
1: I think their coach... I was thinking about this last night, really over the last 24 hours, thinking about Kalen. If I have an offensive coach, I want her to be like this ultimate combination of an intellectual, right? Because you have to, you're calling the plays, you're scheming the offense, but be a tough guy. It's the question we have with Lincoln Riley. Like, is his ethos tough enough? I'm not saying like they could win a fight. Like I'm not expecting you to be a tough, like have to be Connor McGregor here. But like, is the ethos of you as a football coach a tough guy? And you watched him go against Oregon. And Ryan Grubb, his offensive coordinator, who makes $2 million, who Pac-12's dead now, was the highest paid coordinator in the history of the conference because Saban wanted him last year. That that guy's a shooting star as well. It's been his right-hand man. Those guys are tough. And they showed up to that Oregon game against Lanning and Tosh, who are tough guys, right? defensive coordinators, you know, SEC guys, and they shoved him around a little bit. Now, their offense is predicated on the deep ball, but I I watch Kalen Dubore and I just watch... Remember Tedford in his heyday at Cal? You're like, how's he doing this? Well, Kalen's a Tedford guy you know, Chris Peterson, Jonathan Smith, they're all cut from this mold of their offensive minds, but they want to play tough minded football. And I, yeah. I just think, listen, Sark, I've historically been a hater. His team's really good. That, that talent. I mean, it's, I think it's the highest payroll in all college football and I owe money <laughs> right. and it shows, but I, I just, I, I'm giving K he's 102 and 11 as a head coach in his career. You, it's insane. I know you're a Brian Kelly guy and rightfully so right from that division two in Michigan to Cincinnati or uh, central Michigan to Cincinnati. Kalen DuBois got a similar trajectory of his career. I don't care if yeah. it's high school. I don't care if it's NAIA. I don't care if it's Fresno state or Washington, he's winning and he's winning big and any, I don't care who he's coaching against. He's beating you. And that's, I, I, I think the guy is, you know, if Harbaugh were to leave, if Ryan day in a year gets fired, I mean, is this guy like, are we talking a top well, two or three
0: coach in the country. Yeah, Washington has offered him eight and a half million dollars. He wants nine. He's going to get nine. Yeah. Uh, No state, no state tax. Washington's got some pretty well-heeled boosters. You know, think about Washington's history. Every time they get the right coach, Don James national title, New Heisel one Rose Bowls. Yeah. Peterson playoff, Kalen DeBoer playoff. Like people, it's a great place. It's a great place to work. The stadium's arguably the best. Again, this is a Microsoft area. There's a lot of money in Seattle. This is a yeah. sophisticated city. So they're going
1: to – he's going to be in the – uh, Wouldn't Michigan, though, be very – if Harbaugh were to, like, take the Raider job or whatever, wouldn't they be – like, wouldn't he be their first call? It,
0: oh, I think Kalen DeBoer is the number one coach potentially. But I think Seattle's going to lock him up. I think Washington's going to completely lock him up. And, I mean, listen, if I was, if I was a wealthy guy – and I could give money to Kalen DeBoer. I would. Yeah. I mean, that's how it's so special what he's done to the program. And the secret sauce to Washington is Chris Peterson's in the building. Yeah. Now, not that Kalen needs an advisor, but Chris is there to sort of um, synchronize any issues with the program. How good would it be if Saban someday was in the program, synchronizing things from behind the scenes? So it it's you know Kalen runs the program. But Peterson, they have a new AD. Jen Cohen did a great job there. Now they have a new AD. It's a it's a grown up university without any flash.
1: But that's what I'm saying. Like he's a Tedford guy. Well, Tedford started Chris Peterson. You know, they're all kind of interconnected. They're all very similar, and they're all elite at what they do. So it's sometimes you remember when like Spurrier would be around, or there'd be a guy, and it would make yeah. people uncomfortable. Well, if you actually have a lot of similarities and you respect the guy, it works really well. And that's where to me the the synchronization with the coaching staff. It that that win on Friday is one of the most impressive college football wins. I and mean, I mean that Oregon team was completely rolling. Washington been out of sync, and Washington showed up to kick their ass. And Grubb and Dubor against Dan Lanning, who's the apple of everybody's eye. He shoved him around a little bit. And I, listen, I, I yep. think Dan Landing's awesome. That program's going Same. nowhere. Those two teams, the Big Ten, get ready because you got, yep. you got Ohio State and Michigan 2.0 coming in, ready to roll and recruiting, especially Oregon. That's the thing. Like,
0: it's going to be easier, right, for
1: Oregon to kind of sustain it because those guys recruit so
0: well. All right, finally, I don't want to give it too much time. They're throwing a tantrum in Tallahassee. But to me, it's a threefold problem for Fuller State. They're on a backup to a backup quarterback. You have to consider that. This is a beauty pageant. College football always has been. Secondly, the conference is weak. Awful. Louisville's an awful team. Awful. How Louis- Louisville's a sixth-place team in any other conference. They just lost to Kentucky um, the previous week. And they got crushed by Pittsburgh. So, and the other thing is, you had an opportunity. I turned that game in to see you play. If you'd have won 42-3, you'd be in. Yeah, You blew it. You can blame. You can throw a tizzy. You can throw a tantrum. Everybody watched that game against weak Louisville to see how you'd perform. By the way, Michigan was already going to be in, and they didn't play particularly well, but they thumped Iowa. That was never competitive. So in the end, it's backup quarterback counts. Of course it does. Listen, we've only got four spots in five conferences. They could all go undefeated. We've always known it's a beauty pageant. You're the ugliest team left. Sorry, Bama looked good. Yeah, I mean, I I think fair is the most overrated word in
1: America and deserved ain't far behind it. I mean, welcome to the real world. They're, they're a 14-point underdog against Georgia. You know, the other reality is if Georgia had beat Alabama, they still wouldn't have been in. Texas is three. Tech, They would have put a one-win Texas team, and rightfully so. They would have been a 15- to 20-point underdog against all these teams. This is This is a television show. And listen, it'd be one thing if— they had done it the right way, and they had won weird, but they're starting quarterback. I, I would understand the argument, and I think they probably would have got in with Jordan Travis. Here's the thing with Jordan Travis. It's not like they lost C.J. Stroud or Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's a fringe draftable player. So they they were, as a, I texted a scouting director who went to some of their games, like they were barely beating guys when they had him. They, they, they barely beat an 8-4 and four Clemson team. Like, they were holding on. Now, they have NFL talent, the wide receivers, top 20 guy, the defensive end. But I have no problem. This is, okay, who wanted to walk beside Harbaugh in Michigan? Nobody wanted to, it wouldn't have been a fair fight. They would have got killed. I saw Herb Street. all these games historically have been blowouts. Finally, we have two games that are, you know, one's a two and a half point spread. The other's a four and a half. And they all feel, is this the first time that you can remember that legitimately all four teams can win the national championship?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> you
1: know, that never happens. So if Florida State would not only have no chance to win the national championship, I don't think they'd have any chance to keep it within like 20 in the first half. The, the, the quarterback yesterday got, you know, <laughs> give the kid credit to a freshman. What are we doing? The, the backup was like a fourth-year or fifth-year senior. The dude that got knocked out the previous week was horrendous. The, we can't talk about nonstop. The sport is all about quarterbacks, all about quarterbacks, all about quarterbacks. And then you lose the quarterback, and then you lose another quarterback. And like, oh, well, it's the resume. Well, none of those guys had anything to do with your big wins, <laughs> It sucks. I mean, I I get it for the players. It would be shitty. Here's the other thing. Get out of the ACC. Haven't they wanted to do that for years? I I think what's got to happen is because it's going to get ugly next year when the Big Ten and the SEC get nine of the 12. So the bitching and moaning is not going to stop. Why don't we all just come under like the AFC and NFC, which is inevitably what's going to happen. I know the television contract in the ACC is a little weird, but like next year, like how many teams are the Big 12 going to deserve? Right. Maybe one. So this is the quality of college sports. It's never been that way. That's what makes the NCAA tournament kind of unique because it's a one off. But in college football, the SEC and really Ohio State and Michigan, in my opinion, pay the bills for the sports. So, yeah, they, they, they yes. get preferential treatment.
0: I remember years ago I had a speech. Um, Pat Hayden at USC invited me, and Tom Brady's agent Don Yee. Yeah. So Don Yee and I went, and it was the LA Convention Center, I believe, and there were like 150 to 200 athletic directors. And Don and I were under the belief. Don's idea was privatize football. Just it, it's just separate. It pays all the bills. Privatize it, and then you have the rest of the athletic department.
1: Like they wouldn't go to school or they they would just be like basically
0: well you it, you could go to school but it wouldn't be under the auspices of the NCAA yeah, yeah, yeah. or the athletic you just privatize it right you go to your top 5 boosters your top 10 boosters and it's it's a private enterprise so it's not under title IX or anything the net, the, net, right the now, network's
1: fund it right
0: yeah <laughs> yeah yep, yep, which is basically semi what they're doing now yeah and so an athletic director raised their hand it was from some small school what about blankety blank state you know, it was some small school. And I said, and it was unpopular, I imagine, to a group. I said, well, what about it? You don't pay any of the bills. I said, if I pay for the wedding, I make up the seating chart. Yeah. I'm paying for the wedding. The football pays for everything. Volleyball gets an opinion. You don't, you lose money. And it's like, for all these conferences and all these people getting, well, Fox and ESPN, they pay all the bills. March Madness. Fox and ESPN pay all the bills and football. So they get to do the seating chart. So my takeaway is of the 12 teams in the playoff starting next year is that you're going to have, I would say, four Big Ten, four SEC, eight of the 12. And then you can figure out where you want them. But it's better football. Like people don't understand. I think you do. Oregon and Washington will be, along with Michigan, Ohio State. That's the four best programs in that conference, with obviously the sleeping giant USC very viable. Penn State's also reasonable. But it'll be a six team, con- those six teams will vie every year to get into the tournament. Two will be left out, four will get in. And just like the SEC, it'll be LSU, Bama, Georgia at the top. And then you'll have your Florida's, you know, Oklahoma, Texas. Yeah, Texas will probably be near the top. And I'm okay with it, John, because again, they're paying all the bills, they recruit better players. They have more NFL bodies. I don't lose any sleep over this stuff.
1: Well, in two or three years, you know, forever, it's always been the SEC has produced the most NFL players in every draft. What's it going to look like in 2026, the amount of NFL players coming from the SEC and the Big Ten to the other conferences? It's going to be the pendulum is going to swing even so much farther. Look at how many guys that have transferred from smaller schools. And have gone to the bigger conferences and played well, it changed their life. Jaden Daniels, is a good example. No one watched him play. His games were irrelevant. His as a player went to LSU a couple years later, might win the Heisman, become a first round pick. Cam Ward's gonna fall under that. So and listen, I feel sympathy for Oregon State and Washington State because they did try, like they really tried. They're just their markets and the way everything broke, they got screwed. And <laughs> they're gonna go from like 35 million to five million. But in the grand scheme of things, no, it's they don't really matter. Like They matter to me because I've been watching the programs, but no one noticed this weekend, and no one's going to notice next year or moving forward beside people close to that program. Listen, I got my football start at Fresno State. My personal theory, I think a lot of the the Mountain West and even potentially some of these teams that aren't able as realignment continues to grow over the next five to ten years into the one kind of major conference with the two separations – I think everyone's essentially going to become like if you're either in that or you're like Montana, UC Davis, that's what Fresno State and Oregon State because financially, no one's watching those games. No one's – he can't keep up with the Joneses. I, I have the thought like if you're an assistant coach like Ryan Grubb, the Washington guy, I would only take Power 5 jobs. And I really, I'd only well, take an SEC and a Big Ten job. I would not take Fresno State or Boise. State. I wouldn't even mess with those programs. It's impossible what? nowadays.
0: Jonathan Smith leaving his alma mater to- – to coach Michigan State, yeah, tells you the future of college football. Jonathan, I covered him. Right. I covered him, interviewed him as a super smart guy. He
1: left. See how much money they paid he, him? Like seven and a half, eight million dollars a year. You know, Oregon they, State was going above and beyond, giving him like five. I mean, they can't. Michigan State is a program in shambles, and they're like, "How much you want? We just got a situation with a ninety million dollar coach. We're trying to figure that one out." You know, it's the money right. flowing into those two conferences. The NIL, some of these stories I've heard, I mean, the amount of money they have, it's, it's, it's only going to grow, right? So the, right. The, the the programs, the moment I want your player, even if you're a mid-tier Power 5 program, and I'm Georgia, and I'm LSU, and I'm Michigan, Ohio State, it's it becomes baseball a little bit. The Yankees, the Dodgers, they're at such a huge—it doesn't mean Tampa Bay Rays, a team can't figure
0: it out, but it's very, very difficult in football. John Middlecoff, former scout, NFL, Philadelphia Eagles, three and out podcast. Good stuff as always, buddy. Take it easy, Colin. The volume. In the NBA, the games can change in an instant, but no matter how the action unfolds, do you know that DraftKings Sportsbook has You covered this week. New customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets by just betting five bucks on basketball. How good of a deal is that from DraftKings Sportsbook? Win or lose, you get the instant W. Instant. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Please use the code Colin. C-O-L-I-N. New customers. $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just five. The code is Colin C O L I N only on DraftKings sportsbook download the app code Colin the crown is yours Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny 467 In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS, Licensee Partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions. Terms Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.